Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. God is good, amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody excited about Jesus? Couple of people, couple of people. <laughs> I know, you come out of worship and you're sitting there and you're like in his presence and receiving and then, you know, the guy gets up here and is like, let me hear a J. You know, and you're like, shut up, dude. I'm like soaking, you know. <laughs> I know I've been there. I've been there, you know. It's good. God is good. But what's awesome about, so just come on. Can I just say something kind of cool here? I don't know if I can. No, no, I'm not asking permission. I'm, I'm literally posing a question because my kids say I can't say anything that's cool. <laughs> so I'm actually wondering, you know, I'm teasing. No, something that's really amazing to me that's awesome that, that gets missed. I, I really believe it gets missed more often than recognized. And, and you could say a thousand different things, and I'm not going super spiritually deep. I just, something I think is so cool is, uh, let's see, see, here's where the kids are going to like, God is chill. God is chill. He's okay with us relaxing. I, and when I say that, don't misunderstand me. You, you, if you don't know me, you might think, you know, what I think about God. I, I think he is the Alpha and Omega. And I can't really start talking about what I believe about God and his power, his authority, his dominion, his righteousness, his, all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to talk about that, but I have a message that I'm going to bring today that the Lord put in my heart to share with this. And if I go down the road of his power and majesty, it'll be 30 minutes in before I can start my message. And I can't do that today. And, and when I say my message. It's not my message. It's the word of God that he told me to come share. I don't, I don't have a four point sermon for you. I'm coming to share the word with you today. But if I, if I don't, I want to talk about his glory and we will. So I'm not belittling that. That's all I'm going to say on that. I'm not making light of any position that God has and needs to have because I'm usually the guy saying we need to lift up our understanding of how awesome God is. And we need to quit fist bumping with Jesus. And we need to quit trying to elbow and chest bump Jesus because he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And yes, he's our friend, but he's our Lord. And we need to get this serious sense back that we serve a God who is worthy to be praised. And we are his servants. And yes, he's our friend and he has our backs, but he is holy, he is mighty. And I'm already going down that road. So... Because my heart burns with wanting to bring an understanding into every single person, the majesty and, and, and the magnificence. I'm still on the path. The majesty and the magnificence of our God. Because we don't make, we don't, I'll just say this, and I won't preach this, and you'll be amazed. Watch a miracle happen right before your eyes. People, a lot of times I've been accused in my life by people, I'm not talking to you people, I'm saying people a lot of times accuse me of being light on sin. Now you're just light on sin. You just, you just don't make sin very big. And I go, yes. How is this a bad thing? When did this become a bad thing? They're like, you just don't make enough of sin. And I said, you don't make enough of Jesus. 
Because somewhere, something got broke, and the message of the cross came to this weird gospel that he only has enough power to save you for a little bit, and then sin is this big monster that we've got to try to overcome and conquer. He overcame all death, hell, the grave, sin is not master over you, and it shall not be master over you. It doesn't have dominion over you, which means lordship or power. He transferred you when you believed in Jesus from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom? we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins see i don't make little of sin i make big of jesus and far too long in churches who claim to be preaching the gospel they make more of sin than they do of the savior and so my heart burns to help every one of us understand that our problem isn't about the things we're doing but it's about the way we approach and understand God. It's about, the, it's about our thinking and the way we understand Him and then approach Him. Because what you understand about God determines how you approach Him. And then how you approach Him determines what you can receive from Him or how you walk in Him. And many people's understanding is based on the natural world uh, and you, you know just the stuff we're doing. But what you, what you believe about God, that's what I mean by what you understand about him. What you believe about God will determine how you approach him. And you want to know a really good little test on what you believe about God? How many times have you been in a worship service and you've literally spent the first half of the worship service trying to get back in God's favor. How many times have you come into a worship service because you're tore up, you're beat up, right? And you come in and you're spending the first song or two saying, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, come on. I don't have to go down the whole path. You know what I'm saying? Your heart is just saying, oh God. You can't even lift your head up. You feel, so you're just like this. And then somewhere in there, you work out whatever it is you work out with your process. And then halfway through, you're like, oh, yes. And by the last song, you're like, oh, God. And then if you're like I used to be, you're like, hey, God's here. That means I can ask for all the stuff on my list now because I have his attention. Come on now, don't look at me so holy. I remember when I spent time in church, coming to church because I knew I had to come to church. Not because I wanted to. I'm being honest with you guys. I had to. I came to church out of compulsion. I had to come. I came to church. And I also wanted to because I knew it was good for me, but I hated it. I didn't want to come to church. What? The, come on. Most of the people in church I didn't want to hang out with in the real world. I'm being honest with you. Because when I did run into them in the real world, they weren't who they were in church. And I was like, if you showed me this person in church, I'd kind of hang out with you. And I'm not talking about running in the ditches. We should be free from that stuff. But just being who we are, recognizing who we are, be who we are, be who God's called you to be, be uniquely you in Christ. We don't need you and you don't need me. We need us in Christ. 
And if we could be uniquely us in Christ, we would make up a unique body that has value, value, and is amazing. And somehow we've tried to come where we all look the same and act the same and talk the same and do the same. And, and, and we try to come into this. And, we, and we've messed up somewhere with this unity of the faith thing. And we think unifying in the faith means we all look the same, talk the same, dress the same. You know? That's not unity of the faith. Unity of the faith means we unify in our heart in what we believe about who God is, about who he, who he is, what he's done, who we are in him, what he's called us to do. We unify on God. We unify on Christ. We will never, guys, and this is a great faith statement about to come. Some of you are really going to hate that I say this, but I'm just going to be real with what I believe, and if you believe different, pray for me. Don't, don't yell at me and don't talk bad about me. Pray for me if you really believe different, and then pray, God, is this true? Because <sighs> I really believe it's a futile effort, and it's not only futile, it's, it's ridiculous to try to ever think we're going to agree on everything we believe. And the enemy knows this, and this is how he comes in and stirs up all these problems inside of our lives and our churches and our families, because we have misunderstood that unity means conformity. Those are two different principles. Conformity and unity are two different things. We conform to the image of Christ personally. We conform individually to the image of Christ, and then we're all on a different path. We're equal at the cross. Guys, you need to understand this. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. There ain't no, oh, this guy's big, this guy's little, this lady's awesome, this lady's not. It's we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We come the same way to the same God with the same heart and get the same power. It's the same for everyone. It's the free gift. We come equally to our God in one way, one God, one heart. That's how we come. And we grow individually differently. And we're uniquely gifted and have quirky characteristics of our personalities that God doesn't want to destroy. He created you with that quirky awesomeness that he wants to use to glorify his kingdom. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The kingdom lived on earth is in us, living in us and through us. And you know, I, I feel like a broken record sometimes, but I say this a lot. God works in us. Why? To work through us. He works in us to work through us. But somehow this has gotten twisted where we have taught, and I'm talking about faith, charismatic, whatever you want to call it. I don't know the common term is supposed to be. Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-believing people. How about that? Is that good? Because I don't know all the names that we're called now. <laughs> and I always said charismatics, and then I was told, you can't say that charismatics are bad. And I was like, well, just because somebody did something bad doesn't mean that's bad because that movement came about because the gifts of the God are literally called the charismato gifts, which means the grace gifts, which means given by God. Gifts given by God. And people begin to exercise these gifts given by God. And the Greek word is charismato. And so then they said charismatics. So I don't think it's a bad thing. But I would rather have a little wildfire than no fire. And whenever you get people trying to exercise their gifts and practice and grow, if you don't have it based in a, a community of love where we really love one another and can come up and go, hey, brother, man, I know your heart's right, but that was kooky. <laughs> come on. And then he can return to me if I do something. He can come afterwards. You don't have to shame each other. He can come afterwards and say, hey, brother, hey, you know what? I know your heart. I heard your heart, but that was weird. Did you really think that through? 
But if anyone does that because we are so afraid and so insecure, we, are, we, get, we get hurt, we get offended, we get whatever. When it's, it's like that sign right there, that reaction, the hurt and the offense shows me how little you actually understand about who God is and what your role in a church is supposed to be. And then when that happens, those are the people who are walking around. And, and I'm not thinking of it. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying I've lived a few years, right, and been around church a little while. And what happens is those are the ones who have the pedigree, and they can name the hundred things they've done for Jesus, but they're the quickest ones to get offended when anybody calls into question. I don't understand that. Why are you doing that? Maybe there's a good reason for it. And through explaining it, you can come into the unity of the faith. Not the unity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark's got something going on back there. That's right. Iron sharpens iron. Like, what does that mean? Ask him. He'll tell you. Because that'll take me down a path I can't preach about. We help each other. Amen. We sharpen each other. Satan wants to bring offense. He wants to bring in offense. He wants us to get offended. He wants us to, to, to be conformed to the image of religion. He Listen to me. Satan is afraid. He is terrified. You know what he's afraid of? He is afraid that you might actually believe that you are who the Bible says you are. He is afraid that you might actually believe that that you might believe that Jesus actually did for you what he said. Satan is afraid that you might believe that you can do what God's called you to do. I'm serious, guys. Satan is afraid. So what, what does he do? Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of his, of his tactics. I don't want you to be unaware, my brethren, of, of these things, right? I'm not here to talk about the devil, whatever, blah, blah. I don't want to talk about the devil, give him glory or, or anything, but I want you to understand he's crafty, he's tricky, and what he has done has twisted God's plan for a body into to, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, what's a good word for it? Uh, fake, it's worse than fake, a better word than fake, like counterfeit, I'll take counterfeit, to instead of the authentic body of Christ, because there's a buzzword for the church today, authenticity. That's a church buzzword today, if you didn't know that. But he's twisted it from an authentic walk with God to this counterfeit conformity following the programs of men instead of being led by the Spirit. And then we wonder why we're bound up in sin, and we wonder why we have all these strongholds in our life and we can't find free because, come on. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit shall not fulfill the deeds of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. There's one test for you. How much am I given? How much is my flesh taken over? Shows you how much you're being led by the Spirit. 
See, and I don't know what's going on in your life every day. So this isn't me like coming to, oh, brother. No, I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you feel like you can't find victory over things in your flesh, guess what? It's because you're not being led by the Spirit. Because if you're being led by the Spirit, it has power over the flesh. And you go, well, how do I do that? The first thing you do is you come to Jesus. And I don't have all 5,000 steps it takes, right? It's, it's pretty simple. You come to Jesus with an honest and sincere heart. And you come to him and you believe. And belief means that if you truly believe something, that there is a corresponding reaction. Did you know it is impossible to passively believe? That's impossible. It's an impossibility. You cannot passively believe something. You can think it. You can have an opinion about it. You can learn about it and study about it. But if you truly believe something, that belief, true belief demands action. It just does. I mean, I can give you a silly example I always use. If somebody busted in that back room or that, let's see, back came in the, from the kitchen and came running in here while we're, while we're preaching or having worship or something, they come running in here and they run in here and they go, you know, ah, I don't know, somebody, JD, JD runs in from back there and goes, there's a fire, there's a fire in here, guys, there's a fire, and then runs right back out. And if we're in here having worship and we go, yes, hallelujah, the fire of God, yes, hallelujah, let your fire fall. And Sierra's like, oh, that's my cue, I got it. She starts playing, let your fire fall, let your glory come, whatever it is, let your glory come down, let your fire fall, let your wind blow, let your glory come down. And we're all in here as the building falls on us. Or the fire department kicks in the door and is like, what's wrong with you people? This thing's engulfed, get out, you know. And, and, but if, we, if, if he runs in here and says it's on fire, we didn't believe it. We can go, yes, Lord, I, our brother, I hear you. Yeah, praise the Lord for our brother who just shared what God was speaking. <laughs> you know, we get so religious. It's so silly. If he busts in and says, there's a fire and runs back out. If you believe him, you will have a corresponding reaction. If you believe him, you cannot believe this building is literally on fire and just sit here smiling. Come on. And if you can, there's something wrong with you. If you're like, no, no, I, I believe it. I smell the smoke. I even see some of the flames. I'm okay. Like, we need, like there's something wrong. If you really believe this, that he says there's, there's going to be a reaction. I mean, you know what's going to, Johnny's going to jump up and go, ah, and scream like girl. Why? Because I get to pick on him. It's just fun. I mean, somebody will do something. Somebody's going to jump up. Get the kids. Where's the kids? Call the fire department. Where's the fire extinguisher? People are going to start doing something, right? Something will happen. Why? Because you believed it, it caused an action. If you truly believe something, guys, I'm telling you, belief isn't here. The problem for most of us is we have come to a mental gospel, and we have a mental salvation experience, and we have a mental gospel that's all right here, and we have compartmentalized, and we have broken it all apart, and we can dissect it and understand it, but it hasn't gone inside of us and impacted us and grown down in us and produced 
produce the fruit of the kingdom of God into our life. And so we walk around powerless and pathetic, weak and beat down. We're sick, sad, and sinful. When we have, because we have a, a mental ascension to an understanding of something that we have yet to believe. Because if we actually believe it, it will demand a response in our life. In a real way. The word of God, this, our, our salvation experience is in our hearts, guys. And I know I'm getting deep and I'm talking about some of this stuff, but I want to say this. We, so I can wrap this up and move forward. We are called to be one with Christ individually. But then our Lord, everybody say my Lord. My Lord. <laughs> it feels weird, doesn't it? Because like something just happened. My Lord, you know, people talk like that all the time. My Lord, it's hot in here. But in a real way, not in that way, my Lord, that's Jesus, my Lord and Savior, right? Christ the Lord, my Lord, our Lord. He, amen, puts, puts us, places us, plants us in what we call a building. And I'm not talking about the structure of this brick and mortar. I'm talking about a structure that God is building because he says that we are living stones, it says in the Bible, we are living stones built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. And we are living stones and, and, and we are being built up. And as the body is being built together, we are being built up with the body for what? An inhabitation, a place to inhabit or, or, or hold to house the glory and presence of God. But it's here. He works in us to work through us. It starts here, and I always do it this way too. You know it, so I'm going to say it again. It's hard to do with the hold the microphone. I like cordless, but well, it's cordless. I like lapel. You got one hand, right, to receive, one hand to give. And as his spirit flows through, there's plenty for you. You got one hand to receive and one hand to give. And as his love flows through, there's plenty for you. And you know I can go on all day with this. Really. But it's true. One hand to receive, one hand to give. As his presence flows through, you'll be blessed. As his glory goes through you, your needs will be met. As, you know what I'm saying? This is how it works. We go, but somewhere in this church it's gotten twisted. Not, not necessarily here, but the church has twisted this thing around to where he works in us to work in us. He works in us to work in us. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We hide away in buildings, and we want to have goosebumps, and we want to have four-hour worship services, and we think laying around on the floor having goosebumps and the Holy Spirit manifesting is fulfilling his call for our life. Is that fun? Yes. Is it great? Yes. Do I enjoy doing it? Yes. Is that God's purpose and plan and call for your life? No. And that will offend some people. But I'm telling you, is that great? Yes, but why would you have an experience like that? It's so that you can be transformed and take that transformative power into the world, into the workplace, into your families and homes and neighborhoods where we are, where the gospel is supposed to be going forth in power, love, and authority. 
Somewhere, though, it's been, it's been he works in us, and 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 he works in us. And everything we're doing is to get him to work in us. Oh, I go to extra Bible study. Oh, I'm going to worship. I'm going to this conference. I'm going to that conference. I'm going to soak. I'm going to soak. I'm going to soak. I'm going to soak. I don't know about you guys, but you can only soak something so long until it can't take anything else. And it, it doesn't matter what you put. You put something in there. You take a sponge and you put a sponge in water, it can only soak up so much water. And did you know this is the truth? If you take a dry sponge and you put it in water and you wring it out, once the sponge has been dipped in the water and it has been wrung out, when you put it back in the bucket, wring it out in a separate bucket, and it can hold twice as much water once it has been wet and wrung out than when it was dry, dunked, and wrung out. So you want to experience more, hold more, have more, all whatever terminology is you think you like? Because I got good news for you that blows all that away. We already got all of it, guys. We just don't understand it. There's a problem isn't with his spirit. The problem isn't with our God. The problem isn't with the Holy Ghost in us. The problem is our understanding of what's in us and our belief of it. You don't need more. You already got it. This idea of trying to get something, we are literally like dogs chasing their tails. Woohoo! Check that thing out. What is that thing? What is that thing? And I'm old now, so I can't run more than that because I'm already dizzy. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I could have used to sit on a sit and spin for hours. Woohoo! Now I throw up looking at one of those things, you know? I can't do that. The Christians are like dogs chasing their tail. We're trying to get a hold of something we've already got. We spend so much effort and energy and, and working in the wrong areas. We're working to get things that God has already given us, but we don't believe it. We're sitting in a burning house in our lives going, hallelujah, praise God, and we're not getting up to put the fires out with the power of God. We're just sitting here and letting it burn around us because we don't believe we already have something, and we're asking God to do something he's already done, and he says, I did it for you. And you know, I say this phrase, and people don't understand me. Please understand me. You can't do God's part, but he won't do your part. I'm going to say that one more time. You can't do God's part. The stuff God does, you can't do it. But God won't do your part. There's things we have to do, guys. And it's not based on our salvation. It's not working to be saved or working to be holy or working to... You're holy because the Spirit of God made you holy. You've been washed by His blood. You've been cleansed, cleansed and renewed. And, and I, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're done. And if you don't know that, there's several people who would love to sit and have coffee. I'll do it. Anybody. And go through Scripture and show you, you are, you are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And I will not dishonor the blood of Jesus to tell you it only has enough power to cover you till you leave this building and then you cut, cut off somebody in traffic and cuss at them and flip them off and you lost your salvation. How dishonoring to the blood of Jesus to tell somebody that by one simple action that we did in a moment was greater than the blood of our Savior. Come on. 
You need to know who your God is, know what he did for you, and be confident in your salvation. Understanding that you are weak and you are flesh and you will fail and you can talk just like Paul and don't try to justify it like a lot of people try to like say Paul's not saying what Paul is saying. I've, I've heard so many messages about Romans chapter 7 talking about, well, Paul really didn't mean that. Well, for someone who didn't mean it, he spent 14 verses describing it. Well, no, Paul really didn't mean that. For 14 verses? You know the times that Paul would give leeway? He would say something like, I speak this, not the Lord. And there's a few places in Scripture that Paul would give instruction. He says, I, not the Lord, say this. However, I think I have his good understanding on this topic. So you might want to listen to me. He says that. And what am I talking about if you don't know what I mean in Romans 7? It says, though, I'm not going to quote it perfectly, okay? Just let me explain it for a second if you haven't read it. And it's in Romans 7, so you can read it and double check this up, please. He says, I have been bought by the blood of Jesus. I have been born again. I was dead, and now I'm alive in Christ. He doesn't say all this right here in seven, but guess what? He says it in the other. He says it before there in Galatians and all this stuff. So I said, just give me leeway here, right, to build up to this. I, come on. I can show you other places he says it. He says, I was dead. I was born again. Anybody been born again? It's like, I am a believer in Christ. The spirit of God raised that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. I have the spirit of God. I'm alive. I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away, right? Now I'm in 2 Corinthians. You're like, you said Romans. Just go. I'm getting a Romans. <laughs> Old things have, you know, you know 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone, what? Go to church and do real good and try hard. Let's be, let's be like modern times. You know? Therefore, if anyone pays his tithe and is a good standing member of this church. I'm just telling you, it's, it's, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. That's it. You got it. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature, new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold! I actually like that, and you need to get it because you need to be and you need to hold onto who you are in Christ. You need to be and you need to hold onto who you are in Christ. We need to behold. We need to behold who we are. Old things have passed away. Be and hold. We are new creatures. Behold, all things are new. And all these new things, if you want to go to the next verse, are from God who reconciled us to himself through the death on the cross and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Come on. I mean, I can't keep going on that, but hallelujah. I mean, I can, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. Amen? Whew. Anyways, i got to get back to Romans 7. And so he's like... He's like, we're, we're in Christ. If we are in Christ, we need to be and hold. We need to be who we're supposed to be. And we need to hold on to who Jesus says we are. we got to behold it, guys. It's like this little phrase I say. You know, we're supposed to be witnesses. 
Anybody ever heard that before? We're witnesses. Answer this honestly. Hello, I'm Bob with Fox One. I wanted to interview about the airplane that crashed in Minnesota yesterday. Uh, what did you What did you witness? Nothing. Oh, when you say nothing, what do you mean by that? I was not there. When you say you weren't there, so you're telling me you didn't see the plane crash? No. Well, you're not a witness. <laughs> um, back to you in the studio. I'm losing my job. <laughs> I know it's silly, but guys, it makes a good point. If you're going to be a witness, you have to have witnessed something. You have to have witnessed something in your life to be a witness. And part of the problem or reason that we don't have many people witnessing today is because they've fallen into this trap of conformity to a program and to the, the, the people or a church instead of conformity to Christ. And we're coming into conformity instead of unity. And instead of coming one with each other, we're trying to conform and be like these guys. And if I'm like this guy, then I'll be like, if Jesus blessed him and he raised his hand here, when he said amen then I'll raise my hand here right and many of us have a hard time actually witnessing or sharing our faith because we literally haven't witnessed or been a part of this thing yet in a real way we're just on the outside kind of looking in still and you know that I've met people who have been going to church for 10 years and are still on the outside looking in because they don't understand what they can have and they're they're coming into conformity of a program instead of passion for his presence and obedience to his word amen obedience to the leading of his spirit so you have to have witnessed something to be a witness amen I got good news for you. He wants you to witness what he, he wants you to be a part. You can, you, I can interview him and go, hey, hey, guess what? I know now I'm being silly, but it's going to go with the point I made, right? I can witness, I can ask him, what'd you think about it? Dude, it was crazy. I was flying at this speed. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm talking to the pilot. Yeah, not only did I witness it, I was in the plane. And right before it hit the ground, man, I saw the hand of God come and snatch me out of that plane. And he set me on the ground and he said, not today. I have things for you to do. Why not? Why not? Why not? We just, we're like, oh, God, just hope God can help me with a little bit of my anxiety. Now, I'm not making fun of anybody, so please don't get offended if you feel like you're under anxiety. I'm telling you, you're under anxiety because you haven't witnessed the glory of your God yet. And it's time for you to get serious and get in the word and spend some time in his presence and say, I want to know who you are. And then do whatever it is you see. If he says, go love your neighbor, go love your neighbor. If he tells you, he'll tell you something to do. Do it. You'll find it in Scripture. And it may be something just as simple as going across the street and giving a tomato to, to that neighbor that you've never talked to. Obedience, guys. Take a step. Anxiety is only a present because you don't, uh, you don't know who Jesus is. I'm just telling you that. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to make you offended. And I know it's really easy for you if you've been in church for a long time and you deal with anxiety and stress and fear like we pray to get today for you to get hurt and go, I've been in church and I've done this and I've done that. Okay, well, as much as you want to defend, listen to me. You'll spend more effort to defend your right to have anxiety than you will right? To fight against it. 
If I say you have anxiety because you don't understand something about God, you get offended, you feel judgment, you feel condemned, which you shouldn't. You should feel free and go, praise God. Hallelujah. That's true. There's freedom available for me. All I have to do is see something new about Jesus. Come on, you think you understand everything there is to know about Christ? And I'm not preaching this today. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Mark chapter 4, and that's, that's where I was going. Hallelujah. But it's okay. I'm preaching what God's put in my heart, and we're just doing it. Amen. Oh, God is good. You can go, listen, guys, you, you think, and I didn't forget about Romans 7. Don't, don't worry. I know about Romans 7. We're getting back there. You think you know there, all there was to know about Jesus, guys? Have you ever read in Revelation? In Revelation, and it's Revelation, not Revelations. And no, the only reason I say that is because I said Revelations for years, and everybody kept going, it's Revelation, not Revelations. With like shame towards me, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But when I understood what it was, then I started saying it correctly because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I missed that before, and I said revelations, and I wanted to talk about the four horsemen and all that nonsense. And somebody's like, somebody already, you're going to have to love me because that's your message, and you've got charts, and you're like, that's not nonsense, okay? I'm, love me. Compared to Christ, it's foolishness. Is it, is it here, and I'll say this, and I won't talk anymore about this, so I'll say this. Are you building your life on an important truth or a foundational truth? Is the four horsemen and all the junk that goes on in Revelations important? Certainly. But is it foundational for your life? No. Is it required to understand about the four horsemen and all that stuff to be born again and fulfill the call of God for your life? Not on any level. It's an important truth. It's not a foundational truth. Do not build your house, your foundation on important truths, but on foundational truths. And that's why I say when I found out about Jesus and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, then I didn't care anymore about these little horses running around. I'm like, I don't, I don't even care, man. It's Jesus. I'm serious. And I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm trying to say for a while, and some of you will, you'll understand what I'm saying. For a while, I was consumed with trying to understand end times preaching. What's going on? What's the, what's this tribulation period? What's the rapture? What's, and, the, and I was consumed with studying this because it was interesting, but I was studying this and reading it and doing this but I was finding no fruit and no power and I wasn't finding victory and you know what began to happen I began to have fear and anxiety because my eyes begin to look at the world and all the problems in the world and I lost sight of God and instead of having hope and faith and victory like we're supposed to have I was having anxiety and fear why because there was something about Jesus I wasn't understanding yet and then when I realized it's the revelation of Christ and begin to see Christ revealed in Revelation, I'm not joking when I say I didn't care anymore about these little horses. Why? Because before they were like, oh, and behold, this door opened. You know what I mean? And, and then the pale rider, all this stuff. I can go through it because I know it, I promise. But, but it was big. And now I'm like, none of that matters. What if Jesus, what if, well, I mean...
It's more about him, amen? We've got to focus about him. He's the only foundation. He's the only way. He's the only one. He's the only one. He's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. Coming to Christ, getting to know Christ, being obedient to Christ. And how do we do that? The Spirit of God reveals him to us. The Spirit that's been deposited in us isn't just for praying in tongues. Kulabaha, shondai, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, that's great. And I, and I say this truthfully. I have friends who are like, I was filled with the Holy Ghost 42 years ago. And I've literally said this to people. Yeah, that's amazing, but guess what? You haven't been full of him since. Because we also had this wrong understanding in spirit-filled churches. It's this one-and-done deal. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit comes and goes and comes and goes. That's not what I'm saying. He comes, he lives, he sets up his house, and the Holy Spirit's actually the one in you. And, and I don't want to break your little heart or hurt your feelings, but Jesus doesn't live in your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God right now on his throne, seated next to God, just waiting until the Father looks at him and says, yep. And that's how he's going to say it. You know, you know God Almighty is going to look over and be like, yep. And Jesus will be like, all right, up oh, he goes, and here he comes, amen. He's waiting until the God says, go for it, and then until everything's ready. But Jesus, no matter what you are told in Sunday school, is not in your heart. He doesn't live in your heart. And I don't want to hurt your heart by telling you that. I just want you to know it's something even better. Why? How do I know it's better? Because the disciples told Jesus when he said, I got to go. I'm going. I'm, I'm going. In John 14, he's got, I got to go. And his disciples said, no, Lord, no, don't go, don't go, no. And I would do the same thing. Oh, Jesus, no, I'd like grab his ankles. No, come on. You're walking with Jesus, man. He's doing all this stuff. And he's like, I got to go. I'm leaving. I'm going. And, and he starts out in John 14, 1. And he talks about, he says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Amen. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you, or he goes, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll come back and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And they're all like, what's he talking about? And then he looks at him and he says, and you know the way where I'm going. And I love Thomas so much. Thomas gets up and he goes, <laughs> Lord. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Like, we don't even know where you're going. Like, are you going over there? Are you going over there? Are you going over there? Are you going? How do we know the way? And then that's when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then Thomas begins to say, show us the Father. And, and I won't quote all whole. I can quote the chapter. Memorize something somewhere in the Bible. It'll do you good. And I won't quote the whole chapter to you, but then Thomas begins to say, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. And Jesus says, Thomas, have I been with you this long and yet you don't know me? For truly I say to you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the works that I have done and even greater works you shall do because I go unto the Father. 
And then Thomas is like, don't go, don't go, don't go. And Jesus says, I have to go because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit can't come to you. The helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth cannot come to you. I have to go so he can come to you. And it isn't that he didn't want to. He could not come into us because of sin. We were born under sin and dead spiritually. It wasn't that God didn't want his spirit in us. It's that man disobeyed and sinned and we died. And God could no longer put his spirit in in men and he wanted to and that's why jesus couldn't just go all right you you are filled you're filled you're filled you're filled jesus was he said i gotta go to pay the price so that by my sacrifice i can pay for your sins and he didn't say this in detail but this is what's happening i have to go so my sacrifice will pay for your sins so that i can send the holy spirit to you and it says that when he comes and Jesus even says this in John 14, I won't leave you as orphans. He's not abandoning us. He won't abandon you. He's like, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. He says, but I, 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 he's, I'm giving you my spirit. When the spirit comes, he will be with you and he will be in you. And it says that he'll take all the hidden things. Jesus said this, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will take all the hidden knowledge about me and reveal it to you openly. It's a pretty cool deal. Now, either Jesus is a liar or we have bad doctrine. Some of you are like, no, I don't have bad doctrine. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. And Jason and Tiffany are taking us through the book of Acts. They didn't give a time frame on it. It doesn't matter if it takes five years, they're taking us through the book of Acts. No, I'm just saying, it's not, there's no time frame on it. They're taking us through the book of Acts. And they already talked about, I wasn't here, but I promise you, they talked about that word of, of when you receive power is dunamis, which is the, the word that we derive the word dynamite from. And I was preaching this one time years ago. And our podium, like, you couldn't see under the bottom of it, which was good, because when I first started preaching, I was up here like my legs are shaking, you know. And I was nervous and, until I really had an encounter with God, and then I came out here like, I'm ready to preach. Not because I thought I had studied and learned something, but because the Spirit of God would say, talk about this, and I'd be like, woohoo, and I'd just go talk about it. Every time I wrote my message, it flopped. But whenever I followed God, it seemed to work. It was good. So I just, like, throw my notes away, follow the Spirit. And that's how I learned, amen? And so I was preaching this message one time about dunamis power and dynamite and the power of God. And I was like, when, I, when, you, when you're standing there and you say, in Jesus' name, something happens. You know, when you're praying for something in the spiritual realm, things happen. And I was like, right now, what they couldn't see was I had a bunch of these super loud firecrackers in a bucket under there. And I said, I said, things happen in the spirit. And I put my hands down there and I lit the fuse and dropped a pack of firecrackers and they were like really loud not just like i'm telling you these were like they're not legal to sell in the united states i'll just tell you that and and i dropped them in the bucket and i stepped away and i said in the name of jesus i just go boom 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 and i don't know if you've ever put a firecracker in a bucket wow it gets really high pitched and loud and everybody's ears were ringing 
And I'm all excited, and I realize that I have like 80-year-old people in the front of the church having heart attacks because I scared them so bad. They didn't really have a heart attack, but I mean, they're, oh, 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 oh. And I was like, oh, boy, that wasn't the smartest thing I've done, you know. But it was great, and we all laughed about it and everybody. But, and, of course, me, it took me a minute to realize people are freaking out because I'm just like, there's power in the spirit room, and I'm a spitting, blowing, and preaching and everything and loved it. I, I used to do stuff like that a lot. It's just fun. Trying to make us, to get us to understand there's dynamite power, guys. We have dynamite power. Dunamis, explosive power in the spirit realm. And we're going, oh, God. Oh, God, I just don't know if I can get through this next day. Come on, guys. Can you not understand with me that, that we are not looking at Christ the way we should be looking? Because if we're looking at him, there's something we're not seeing. Because if we're worrying about getting through it, our eyes need to lift up. Lift up your eyes and look. And you need to look and you need to be like, Jesus, my life's in shambles. It's a mess. It stinks worse than four skunks, three days dead. My life is a wreck, but Jesus, you are amazing and you are powerful and I believe in you and you are in me and I'm in you. And no matter what this looks like, I'm going to begin to do what you call me to do in Jesus' name. And guess what? You do that, I promise you. You won't be calling your pastor saying, oh, pray for me. I'm just so feeling so just. You'll be calling your pastors and going, listen, man, I was praying that God has a word for you. Don't you get tired or weak or, or beat up because his power's here. And you're going to start, and you think I'm crazy. Try it. Try it. Try it. Instead of going, oh, my fear, oh, my, <laughs> I love everybody, but I swear with all that is, it's, it's good. I'm making it nice. I'm trying to make it so nice. <laughs> that when I hear people say things like, and if you say this, I haven't heard it. I promise I've not heard anybody in this room say this because I wouldn't say it if I had. I wouldn't say it this strong. I would say it, but I'd make it real nice because I'd, you know, oh, I've heard Adam say this, so I got to be gentle. I don't want to offend him. And I, I would say the truth. But with love. But I haven't heard anybody say it, so I can say it with a gut check, right? That's how I feel. So if the, and I'm just giving a disclaimer because if you are saying it, I don't know you're saying it. Don't let the gut check be personal. It's just, it's just something, okay? Anyways, the, the thing about it is I literally want to. Has anybody seen that meme that's Batman and Robin? Younger kids know what I'm talking about. Anytime that Robin starts to say something, Batman slaps him. And it's just, no. Like, Robin's like, hey, Batman, what about, no. Every time I hear somebody say, my anxiety, that meme comes alive in me and I want to act it out. My anxiety, no. And not because I'm mean or want to hurt you. It's because I literally want to slap Jesus into you. Because I know you believe in Jesus. I know you believe in Jesus, but you're believing a lie, and you're speaking things that if I questioned you on it, you truly don't believe, but you've come under the conformity of the image of the world in this place in your thinking instead of conforming to Christ in this arena. And when people talk about things I'm talking about, people get hurt and offended. And I'm telling you, get free from that so you can get free from the other thing. You're claiming it. Instead of saying, oh, my freedom is here. Oh, my joy is here. Oh, my peace is here. Right? You're going, my anxiety. It's yours. You own it. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't say, oh, me, because I don't want to know if it's you. Unless you're going to be free of it and say, I'm never doing this again. Hallelujah. I'm fine with that. Renounce it. But we do this. We go, my fear. I have literally seen Christians fight harder for their right to have anxiety, fear, sicknesses, and diseases in their life. They'll fight harder for their right to have that than you've ever seen them stand to be free of it. Because they want to argue with you doctrinally whether they believe in healing or not. I'm like, you fight for your right to be defeated. We do this, guys. But when you see Christ, you don't do this. When you look to Christ, you don't do this. When you look to Christ, you're free and you get excited. And so what I'm trying to say is, listen, guys, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're struggling with, and, 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 and what I'm telling you is if you're not walking through trials, don't mishear me. I'm going to stand up so everyone can hear and see me really good. Trinity, I see you back there. What, see, look, look, eye contact. Tatum. Oh, gosh, you look so, you guys grown up. Everybody's, everybody's grown up. I keep calling Josiah Jace because that's the size he was when we met him or whatever. So I'm looking at everybody. I don't remember what I was going to say when I got up here. <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> It'll come back. I know I'm talking about our anxiety and owning these things. People, what's that? Yes, look up. It'll come back in five minutes. That's what happens to me. Look up. No, it's fine because here's the thing. It's like you can be free. It's his desire for you to be free. God is not the one keeping you from being free. And this church service is not your magic uh, ceremony to, to get you free. Coming into worship, it's not their job to get free to make you free. Your job is to get to know who your Savior is, give your heart to him in a real way, and quit letting programs and, 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 and doctrines and personalities and anything that gets in the way of you and him because it's you and Christ it's it's Christ in you amen and understanding that now we're supposed to be together we're supposed to help each other iron sharpens iron we we rub against each other we help each other we chip the edges off we we love each other if, if I see my brother stumble I come over what's up what's up how can I help you know if he sees me stumbling he grabs me if he's rejoicing I rejoice with him if he's weeping I weep with him but we give glory we have family that was weeping Still weeping, but God is good, amen? We give him glory, and in the midst of situations that some of you don't know, tragic things, they're over here going, hallelujah! And there's people, I promise, going, I wish that guy would quit yelling. I don't. I'm telling you, there's people who will say, I wish that guy wouldn't yell so loud. It's true. Guess what? I wish you would yell because sometimes you just got to get loud to get some victory in your life. And sometimes when you're going through something, you need to say, Jesus! And you don't care about anybody else around you because it's you and your God and your victory. And we need this in our churches. When did it become okay to be quiet? When did it become, become the convention and the custom that when somebody gets passionate about God, 
People around them go, they're weird, they're strange, there's something wrong with them. When did this become normal? And I'll tell you when. When we walked away from being led by the Spirit and setting our eyes on Jesus and being followed, we begin to fall into the lie of the enemy of social conformity instead of conforming to the cross. And I'm not saying this to convict or hurt if you don't get excited. What I'm telling you is there needs to be this thing, and I've been there with you guys. I've gone to church services where I'm the only guy clapping. I'm the only guy yelling. But if I feel his presence, I ain't clapping and yelling if I don't feel his presence. Sometimes I have to clap and yell in faith so I can feel his presence. I'm being honest. But I'm not, what I'm saying is I, I'm not going somewhere to clap and yell to make a spectacle of myself. Oh, these people need to learn how to worship like I do. There was a day that I used to believe nonsense like that. And then I understood that God is way bigger than I can understand. And he has a way to work in every place, in every doctrine, in every situation to get people out of false and into him. I used to think, oh, that church can't do nothing. That group can't help anybody. And then I'm just being honest with you. Maybe you think that today and I got good news for you. Keep seeking Jesus. Because you'll find one day somebody from that group that couldn't do it is wrecking, wrecking it, tearing it up for the kingdom of God. Amen. It doesn't matter. It's about their heart. It's about your heart. It's about where you're at. It's about, it's about who you are, who he is in you, you in Christ, Christ in you. Amen. That's what's important. In Romans chapter seven. See, you thought I forgot. Paul says this thing, I've got the Holy Ghost in me. I'm, I'm spirit-filled, and we're talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. And if you don't know who that is, the Apostle Paul wrote several epistles of Paul. They call the epistles of Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote epistles. What does all that mean? doesn't matter who cares. It's just words we all say in the church. <laughs> I mean, come on. Does it really matter if you know what an epistle is or whatever? No, who cares? It's just literally saying that that's just words for the books of the Bible, like Galatians and Romans and Corinthians and Colossians, and they call those the epistles. There you go. You got your pointless, useless in real life Bible fact today. You know how many pointless, useless in real life Bible facts that we seek? Because we want more knowledge and more knowledge when all you need is the knowledge of Him. The more knowledge we get, the more intellectual our gospel becomes. The less heartfelt it is, the less the Word goes in and plants its seed, the less fruit that is produced in your life. I'm not saying we have to be dumb, but your wisdom comes from the Spirit. See, there's this trend in the church that you got to study, 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 but here you, you have this wrong. You, we're studying to show others that we're approved. Why? Because they want your credentials and they want your pedigree and they want all this stuff. And so we spend a lot of time studying to show other people we're approved. The scripture literally says study to show yourself That's what it says. It doesn't say study to prove to everybody else. It says study to show yourself that you're approved before God. Read it again without 
weird translations and people's interpretations. It says, study to show thyself, go to King James, approved before God. That's what it says in the, in the original language. A workman who needs not be ashamed because you are rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself you're approved by God. And you are a workman. You don't need to be ashamed because you are rightly dividing the word of truth. Isn't that crazy? Now, how many years have you heard that verse and missed that? Some of you go, I got it, I got it. But I'm telling you, others have heard that verse for years and, and you have this pressure that comes on you because it's put on you around the church. Oh, you've got to study, 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 study. Look, I'm not against studying. I'm all about getting the word, getting the word, getting the word, getting the word. And as I wrap this up, because I'm closing up now. No, I really am. And we're in good time, we're in good time. But as I'm wrapping this up, I'm going to say this. And you've heard me say this a hundred times and you'll hear it a hundred more probably. As long as they let me preach, I'll end up saying this at some point. All word and no spirit, you dry up. And I can prove that scripturally. I just don't have time today. I was going to in my message, but I just, hallelujah, next time. All word and no spirit, you dry up. All spirit and no word, you blow up. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been to a church where they're like, oh, it's the word, 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 it's the word. And you're like, praise God, praise the Lord. Finally, there's a church about the word. And then you go in there and you're sick and you go, hey, will you guys pray for me? They go, oh, we don't believe in that. I, I mean, come on, I'm being real. We're about the word. We're not about that stuff. This is about the word. And you're like, but doesn't the word say somewhere in there? I'm like, no. Okay. I'm not even joking. Like, I've, that's multiple times I've been in those situations. And then I've been in other places where it's all spirit. It's all spirit. Spirit, 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 spirit. And they're getting weird. The, the, yeah, the, what do I say? The, the spooky cookies are coming out. The kooky spookies or whatever. Yeah, I know, I know. But, but you, if you've been in it, if you don't, it's fine. If you've been in it, you know what I'm talking about. Stuff's getting off the rails. And you come in and say, hey, hold on a minute, guys. The word, and they don't want to hear the word. No, 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 I'm not saying stop all this stuff because God's moving in this, but in the midst of this, we have a lot of flesh going on, and we need people to begin to begin to understand the difference between the spirit of God and the false spirit because you have a false spirit operating right now, and the people think it's God. And they're like, how do you know? I said, I'll show you. I rebuke this spirit right now in the name of Jesus, and the whole atmosphere leaves, and everybody goes, what happened? And I've done that before. And then the pastors go, get out of my church. <laughs> no, it's what happens. Leave now. And don't return. And I go, I go, bye. What was that? I'm not very good at karate. That was my karate kick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking the dust off my feet. I let my peace return to me. It's when Jesus sent his disciples out in, in Luke 11. He says, go out there. Say, peace be unto you. If a man of peace is there, then abide with him. And, and eat whatever they set before you. Heal everyone who's sick. 
Here's something I won't preach on, but something to chew on. You show me in the Bible where Jesus commanded us to pray for the sick. You won't. He said, heal the sick. We pray for the sick to mask our unbelief and to put it in God's hands instead of taking ownership of what we're supposed to do. That's a whole other message. You chew on it. But he said, you go into this house. If a man of peace is there, let your peace rest on the house and eat whatever they set before him and heal all who are sick. Didn't say pray and the Lord pray, pray, pray. I know where we get it from. We get it from the apostle when he wrote and he said, if there's any sick among you, let him come, come up to the elders and they'll anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will raise him up. That's where we got it from. But Jesus commanded us four different times to heal the sick, not to pray for them. How about Peter? I know I said, but I'm just throwing it out there because somebody's going, I don't know, I don't know. Peter, John walking up the gate, right, called Beautiful. And I'm jumping in their message now. This is an ax, but he's walking up to the gate called Beautiful. And there's this guy who'd been out there begging. And it's at the hour of prayer, and he's out there begging. And he says, hey, hey. And I can only think of Robin Hood, the cartoon. Alms, alms, alms for the poor. That's just in my brain every time. And he's out there, alms, alms, alms for the poor. And, and Peter stops, and he looks at, at the guy, and he says, look at me. And the Bible says the guy fixed his gaze on Peter. He looked at Peter, and he was expecting to receive something from him. Because, come on, if you're out there begging, give me something, give me something, give me something. You know what you get? Because if I look, I might have to do something. I'm not even, you're not there. You don't exist, Jason. I don't see you. Doggone it, I looked at her. Here, take something. So if you're begging and somebody looks at you and says, look at me. What? Everybody's been ignoring you. <laughs> I got a fat whale here, baby. I got something coming. This is awesome. And, and Peter looks at me. He says, silver and gold, I don't have any. He says, have I none? Silver and gold, I don't have. But such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk such as i have i give unto thee and i'm going to leave that with uh, we don't have to pray for the sick we heal the sick you take that and chew on it and pray and let god do what he does amen so in luke 11 when he sends them out and they come back then then he says heal the sick we took that little side trail you chew on it i know what i believe you took that little side trip and, and then he says but if you go and a man of peace is not there let your peace, receive your peace back unto yourself. And don't quit. He didn't say, if a man of peace isn't there, then sit down and cry about it and complain and start a blog and tell everybody how that man of peace didn't receive you, didn't love you, didn't accept you. They didn't recognize your giftings. They didn't, they didn't recognize your calling. They didn't love you. They hurt you. They beat you. They didn't like you. Come on. He said, receive your peace back unto yourself and go to the next house and say, peace be with you. Until you find a man of peace, and then you let your peace rest on the house. You eat the food. You stay with them the whole time you're in the city, and you heal all the sick. If you follow Jesus, you will be rejected. Everybody says, oh, praise the Lord, pastor. That was the best news I've heard today. It might be the best news you heard today. It's not. Jesus is better than that. But this is very good news to hear today. Those who desire 
to follow God will be persecuted. The scripture says it. Now, I have this little bread box of daily bread scriptures. I do. I have a little bread box with my daily bread. And you take out one verse, and one side is Old Testament, one side is New Testament, my daily debate. I've been through that box twice, and I have never, ever seen in this world, you shall have tribulation. I haven't found that one. Which they should be in there because the verse doesn't stop there. It says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. Or get excited, but take courage is really the meaning. For I have overcome the world. And he's saying, in me, you are overwhelmingly a conqueror in me. You know? You're going to have tribulation, but get excited. I'm with you. Those who desire to, to live righteous, live holy, and follow God will be persecuted. But then you can read the verse where it says, we're struck down, but not destroyed. You remember, what's the other things? I know I can think of that. No, no, no. We're pressed but not crushed. We're persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. There you go. We're pressed but not crushed. We're persecuted but not abandoned. Did you hear this? We're pressed. The Bible even talks about how we're surrounded and pressed on all sides, but God is with us and God is in us, amen? We can have joy. We're pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're not forsaken. We're struck down but we're not destroyed. That's not the scripture. It's good words, but it's not the next scripture. Why? Because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is in you. His power is there. He's an ever-present help in our time of need. It says that we can go boldly to the throne of Christ. The throne of grace is what it says, and receive mercy and help in our time of need. God is with you. God is able. He is there. He's on your side. Amen. And when we say this stuff, we go, oh, if God is on my side. Now, listen to me. I know the kids are coming in, and that's okay. But this is important right here. We say, if God is on my side, then how come I'm having these problems? Right? If God is really as good as what you've been saying today, then why am I going through all the stuff I'm going through? You want to know the probably the first reason? Is you are not doing what God told you to do. We can't do his part, but he won't do our part. And I can promise you it's not about learning more, studying more, going to another school, going to another conference. It's about your heart yielding to God, putting him first place and believing that he is as big as he said he is and he can do everything he said he could do in you. See, not understanding what he actually accomplished through his death, resurrection, right? His death, burial, and resurrection, the finished work of the cross, when we don't actually understand what he did, it causes us to live far below where we should. It does. When we don't understand what he did, it causes us to live below where we should. Why? Because I said this earlier, the way that what you believe about God determines how you approach him. How you approach him determines what you receive from him. If you believe that God is mad at you and angry, you're approaching him in a way 
that you're, you're scared. You're, you're sneaking in. You're, oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, you're holy. And you're only worshiping him to, to try to appease him. You're trying to appease an angry God because you see an angry God. You're going, God, I'm, I'm, you know, see what I'm saying? Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Oh, you're holy. You're holy. And then you say stuff like this. I'm a worm. I'm lowly. You might not say I'm a worm, but your words are, I'm not worthy. I'm terrible. I'm, I'm horrible. I'm, not, I'm just bad. I'm, I'm the whatever. I'm the crust that needs to be scraped off the bottom of your shoes. I'm not even worthy to come in here. You're literally, the, you're literally not obeying Scripture. You're literally not obeying Scripture. One more time. We can't do God's part, right? God won't do our part. We can't do His. Do you guys remember somewhere, and I am, promise I'm, I'm wrapping this up. And I'm not even going that long. I'm really not. We're good. And I'm closing this up. Do you remember something that says, we enter His gates with complaining and groaning and we enter his courts with accusations anybody remember that we enter his gates upset and hurt and we enter his courts by condemning him where were you why didn't you It does sound like the devil's book. My book says we enter his gates. What? With thanksgiving where? In your heart. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. If thanksgiving's truly in your heart, listen, you can't bless and curse at the same time. The Bible says that. You can't bless and curse. We're, I know the same mouth speaks it, but you can't do it at the same time. You can't bless and curse. And, and it's like if you have thanksgiving in your heart, then you have thanksgiving in your mouth, right? An attitude of gratitude. We enter his, his, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, right? And we enter his courts with what? Praise. What? Praise. What? Praise. We enter his gates in his courts with praise? Which praise are you praising? Are you praising your problem or are you praising your God? I'm trying to make this real practical and simple for us, guys, because most of us are whining and complaining with our mouth. We're owning our problems. It's my anxiety. It's my fear. It's my stress. It's my pain. It's my illness. It's my problem. It's mine. You got it? We're owning this. And then we're going to God with this attitude of like, why aren't you helping me? Where are you at? How come you haven't helped me, God? The preacher said that I'd have victory, but I don't see no victory. I don't know because here's the problem. You believe that God can do it. You don't know if he'll do it for you. Because if I was to talk to you, every one of you that does that would have no problem saying, I know God can. I don't know if he will and bad the devil has got into bad church doctrine to help trap a lot of people with here's how you get god to do this you got to go to this conference and to this school and to this thing and you got to do this worship conference and this thing and if you do all these things just right that's how god and that's a lie from the pit of hell and i don't care who's preaching or promoting it it's a lie they're not evil they're deceived how many of you have ever been deceived 
I have. How many of you would love when you're deceived for somebody to go, you're evil? I wouldn't. These people that do it aren't evil. They're deceived. Many of you are sincere. You're like, but I'm sincere. And God knows my heart. It's about, he knows my heart. And I'm sincere. I'm like, yes, you are. You're sincerely wrong. Continuing to operate in wrong won't create the right. Amen? It just doesn't. We enter his gates with thanksgiving our heart. We enter his courts with, with praise. Listen, when, when in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, and without faith. It's what? It's what? It's impossible. That's right. It's impossible to please God without faith. I already quoted to you earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's ways that we enter in and we get and release the things we need to have released in our life. If you have anxiety, I understand that and sympathize with it. I can understand what it's like to feel anxiety. I can understand what it's like to feel fear. I can understand what it's like to feel pain and just all this hurt, like relationships have broken and you have hurts and wounds and scars. I understand that. But me understanding it won't bring freedom to you. Me agreeing with you in the midst of your trouble won't bring freedom to you in your trouble. I have to help you and, and hopefully you help me if I get there to say no. Get, lift your eyes off yourself and by faith, by faith, by faith, begin to declare that God, you are worthy and you are holy. How about this? Why don't you start to say my joy, my peace, my hope. Instead of my fear, my anxiety, my whatever. No, my hope, my joy, it's mine. Jesus said it's mine. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And you know what fruit is? Literally the fruit of the Spirit? It literally means it's a byproduct of having a relationship with God. A byproduct of having the Holy Spirit inside of you is peace. A byproduct of having the Holy Spirit in you is joy. It's fruit. A direct result of having the Holy Spirit in you is faith. See, we're trying to work these fruits out when it's, it's fruit. You don't work out fruit. Fruit is produced from the seed that is planted. And when the plant grows, it produces fruit. And it talks about in due season, his desires for us to present fruit, pr or produce fruit and that our fruit would remain. It takes time, guys. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. So if you're in a big mess, yes, God can set you free like this, but it may take a little bit of time for you by faith to speak the word by faith and, and enforce this victory that you've already have. You already have it. The enemy's a trespasser. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's trespassing. And, and, and just because you do it once, it doesn't mean, and it didn't happen. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. How many times have you claimed the illness or the, the fear or the anxiety? You've said it hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of times. It doesn't mean you have to have an equal number to rebuke it, but 
you have to begin to stand. And just because it didn't happen once doesn't mean it isn't there. It's yours. And listen to me. Satan isn't going to back up just because one time Jason says, no. He's going to go, <laughs> no. Watch this. Poke. And the average Christian just goes, oh, God, why wouldn't you help me? Why weren't you there? You know what I mean? I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I hope if this is you, you, you aren't getting mad at me, but you're getting real with your heart. There's a difference between faith and just walking in the natural, guys. And most of us, we walk in the natural and we don't feel pressure because our churches that we've been in don't put pressure on the people to follow God. They put pressure on the people to conform to whatever it is they deem looks like a good holy church. I'm just being honest with you. You'll find very few churches out there who really want to pressure you to follow God. You know why? Because it's scary, right? It's hard to tell people, you go follow God. You go follow, why? Because people will come with all kinds of ideas of what God's telling them to do. It's much easier just to go, nope. We control what God does and how God does it. If you feel like you have a call, come to us and our board or team or whatever will validate and verify the calling of God on your life. And if we don't verify and validate, it's not there. And, and I know I'm talking funny, but you know how many people I know who have lived year after year after year after year in that kind of a thing? You just need to know whose you are. You need to know your God and know you are good. Amen? And if it says, they who know their God shall be mighty and do exploits. But you can't do anything out here until you let him work in here. He works in here to work out there. And the way he works in here is with our thinking, changing our thinking and our words. And as we begin to change our thinking and our words, and we begin to agree with God, we become one with Christ. And as we agree with our words and our thinking, then he'll say, release this now. And you'll get to speak it. And you'll get to go and do things. Amen? He's working in us. But we have to just be sober-minded and fully awake and realize the enemy's tricky and he wants to lull us to sleep and make us feel normal. After all, everybody else goes through the same stuff I'm going through. But you're not of this world. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. You are born again. We're not of this world. We're ambassadors. All things have become new. It's time that we begin to understand what's new and begin to unlock and release the new man. And it starts in your own home, in your own thinking, with whatever problem it is you're dealing with. And if you're not walking in joy unspeakable and full of glory, you got somewhere to start. I'm telling you, your confession should be, I have joy unspeakable and I am full of glory. I've said that for years. I started saying, I, I have joy unspeakable. I'm full of glory. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who infuses his life into me. And I just say it again and again and again. And there was times when I wanted to just straight up strangle somebody. And I'd be like, I have joy in Jesus' name by faith because I want to kill everybody. I have joy, Jesus. These kids need whipped, but I love them and I need joy. Because sometimes your house can get crazy. And I've got... 
good news, which sounds like bad news, but it's good news when you first start standing for God, what's going to happen? The Bible says the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. He comes for the word's sake. So when you stand in your home and say, we will have peace, understand you are the ambassador of peace in your home. And you just don't let nothing break that. And if you have to go get alone, you go get alone. You go, I got to go. You go out to your car, drive, get you a coffee, whatever you need, and you pray and you worship. You don't pray, God, you said peace. You go, God, you are my peace, and my home is full of peace. And you start declaring what you want to see in your home. And when you come in, you're not shocked that everybody wants to fight. Because Satan comes to steal the word. But you hold fast to the confession of your faith. And guess what? And it won't be very long. I promise you it won't be long. And you're going to have peace. Because you will bring it. You will have peace. And whatever it is, it works the same with whatever it is you need to do. But we have to commit from our hearts. And this is my last line. We have to commit from our hearts, each one of us individually, to stop being half-hearted believers. Professing things with our mouth that we don't walk out in our life. We have to commit from our hearts. God, you're saved. God loves you. Great. You're going to heaven. Awesome. But your life's falling apart, and it's not God's plan. You're still going to heaven, but you can have victory here. And the first thing you have to do is we have to stop together being half-hearted believers and to the best of our ability go, God, with a full and sincere heart, I believe in you. I don't know what I'm doing. Teach me what I need to know. But what I do know is you said I would have peace and I would have joy and you would give me strength. So you can, you can dig your feet in on, I will have peace, I will have joy, and I will have strength. And then with all your heart, you begin to pursue God. Not give me joy, listen to me. Not give me joy. God, I have your joy. Your spirit lives in me. I have joy. I have your peace. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. I thank you for this word, Father, that you had me share today. And Lord, I commit from my heart to not be a half-hearted Christian, Lord. But in the, every area that I know that I need to fight, I commit in my heart to rise up, shake off the, 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 the meekness, the weakness, shake off the laziness and say, I will be who you called me to be. I will do what you've called me to do. And I will have what you've given me. And I thank you, Father, for your blessings. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you no matter what we go through, you are with us. And Lord, I pray that each person here, Holy Spirit, begin to teach each one here how to draw their strength from your spirit. We thank you for this, Father. In Jesus' name, anybody that agree and receive it, say amen.